Thank you. Hmm. Well, uh, to be honest, it's the first day on the job and I, I forgot my Bible at home. <laughs> this is really bad timing. In two years, I haven't done that, but I forgot my Bible at home. Um, I'll do the best I can. My family and I are so, so happy to be at Cornerstone. We really are so blessed. Last week, my 10-year-old daughter, Abigail, was out on the patio with me and I was, I was out there trying not to ugly cry. And uh, she was standing next to me and she looked around and she said, Dad, what's wrong? Everyone's crying. It was the perfect opportunity for one of you to jump in and say, it's because I announced your dad as lead pastor and walk away, but <laughs> nobody did that. So I said, Abigail, we just celebrated 30 years of Cornerstone's history. We're all thinking about God's faithfulness and it's just, it's a good cry. And she looked at me and said, Dad, adults are way too dramatic. <laughs> well, <laughs> says my emotional 10-year-old daughter. <laughs> you know, it was uh, it was August 8th, 2018, three and a half years ago, that I felt like the Lord uh, gave me a great idea that completely backfired. See, I was at the Bible college and I thought, hey, there's still, there's still some significant churches in this valley that we're not connected with. And so I started emailing those churches and saying, hey, I'd love to, love to grab a coffee with you know, the, the senior pastor of your church. And so I did that with a few different pastors in town. And then finally, Pastor Ron and I got a chance to sit down and we talked about the Bible college and he gave me a whole page list of things we could do better at the Bible college. And he goes, I hope I'm not offending you by being so direct. I'm like, I'm from Jersey. I love direct. This is great. And we were able to even implement some of those ideas. And I was, I was happy to do that. And then it was the next semester that I invited him to come and share a chapel with our students. And it was well received. And so the following semester, I said, hey, would you teach a class here at the Bible College? And so since he was on campus weekly, I got to know him more. We started to eat lunch together after his class. And it was at one of those lunches that I said, Andy, is educational ministry like your final stop? Is that what you want to do? And, and immediately I said, oh, no, this, this is amazing. Like this is an early climax in life to lead hundreds of, of young college-age students from all across the world. That, that's amazing, but God's plan A is the local church. And it was after that that we started talking uh, about Cornerstone, and I'm so thankful the Lord put it on both of our hearts for me to be here. I'm very grateful for that. But I believe that, that God's plan A is the church. God has a plan to save lost people, and it's the church. God has a plan to heal families and broken relationships, and it's the church. God has a plan for you, and it involves the church. It's his plan A. It's how he wants to change this world. But what are we talking about when we say church? I'm going to discuss three definitions of church. And to be honest, the first one is the most common, and it's wrong. It's, it's just wrong. So here's the wrong definition. It's church as associated with a building. Right? Oh, Cornerstone. That's the big church off the 15. Now, I say, I say yes when people say that, and so do you, right? I don't take that moment to rebuke people in their theology, you know? I mean, it's bad theology. Romans 16, 15, Paul says, greet the church that is in your house. It's the church gathered in a building, right? But I'm not going to take time to, you know, confront people on saying things the wrong way. That's not the main goal as long as we know. But here's another definition, and it's for the universal church. The universal church, it's made up of all believers everywhere. Everyone that puts their trust in Jesus for their salvation, everyone who does that is then adopted into God's family, is a part of the church. 
And God gives us a lot of different metaphors to help us understand our new relationship in the church. The first is that we're, we're the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. Jesus is in charge. We're, we're the body. We make up different parts of the body, but that means we're participating. We're all here serving together, but make no mistake, Jesus is the head of the body. He's the head of the church. Another one is that we are the bride of Christ. Think about your relationship to God through this lens, that he considers you his bride, that, that he set up the marriage picture to teach us about our relationship with him. I can still picture it. It was an aisle just like this in a church in Orange County where there are these ladies coming down the aisle. It was Shannon's sisters and then my sisters out of the way, out of the way. And then I saw this redheaded creature in the back that I was like, oh my goodness, my bride to be. What a privilege, what a joy. And God wants us to think about that. He wants us to know that he desires a close relationship with us that we are precious and protected by him. We're the bride of Christ. We're also called the family of God. This is how we relate to one another. The people in the rows next to you are brothers and sisters in the Lord. We share the same big brother, Jesus, and the same father in heaven. And we are brothers and sisters. So we should relate to each other like that. It's not just like a cute figure of speech. It means something. If you would sacrifice for your blood family, then we do that for our spiritual family as well. We relate to each other as a family of God. We're called the temple of God, the church. No longer is there just one temple in Jerusalem that one day a year on the day of atonement, the high priest, one person could go into and be in the presence of God on behalf of the nation. No, now after Jesus, when he died on the cross, the veil in that temple ripped symbolizing our access to God. And when he rose again now through the spirit, God dwells in the life of each believer, in the heart of each believer. Every day we can experience God's presence. And so it kind of drives us towards holiness. We want to be holy because God is holy and he's, he's with me. He's with me. We are the temple of God. We're the flock of God. We're told in John 10 that Jesus is the good shepherd. He's going to lead us and provide for us and take care of us and guard us from wolves. And so we need to follow after Jesus. And one lesser known metaphor is that we are the pillar and support of truth. In 1 Timothy, it says that we can look to the scriptures and find truth in a chaotic world that is always changing their mind. We know what the truth is and what God wants to speak to us. So these metaphors show us the relationship to the universal church, but there's another definition and it's the local church. What is, what is the local church? Well, the local church is a gathering, like Cornerstone, of those who believe in Jesus Christ, who are committed to meet regularly for worship, teaching, fellowship, prayer, communion, and who help make disciples of all people. There are many great local churches, and I love that we have snapshots in the Bible of local churches showing that they are stepping up to meet the need of the moment. We see in the book of Acts, there's a church in Antioch that had to be a missions-focused church in the moment because the Holy Spirit wanted to plant more churches. And so even though Paul and Barnabas were great to have on the team, they had a prayer meeting. They were worshiping and, and praying and seeking the Lord. They were fasting. And the Holy Spirit spoke and said, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I have for them. And they were sent out to plant more churches. And Antioch was a missions-sending church. Philippi, 
was a church that was compassionate and generous. And Paul bragged about them all the time. There was a famine going on in Jerusalem. Philippi wasn't experiencing that. So they gave above and beyond. Even what they could afford, they gave even more than they could afford and sent it to relieve the suffering of those believers that were in the famine. The church at Colossae was known as a loving church. They were battling some kind of form of Gnosticism, some, some heresy that was in their community trying to infiltrate the church. But when Paul, before he addressed any of that, when he wrote to them, he said, you're known for your love. You love people around you and that's changing your community. There was the church in Philadelphia, not in North America, but overseas. That was a faithful church, even though culture was pressuring them to change even though they were going through difficult trials and, and tribulation and persecution, they stayed faithful to Jesus. And over the last few thousand years, many faithful churches has, have been planted, including 30 years ago when, when Pastor Ron Armstrong planted Cornerstone. And I love Cornerstone. I, I love being here at Cornerstone. I really love everything about it. Why don't you just take a moment, talk to somebody who's sitting next to you, in front of you, to the side of you, and tell them, what's your favorite thing about Cornerstone? Go ahead and do that. You may be talking about just the passionate, exciting worship that we get to have where we feel the presence of the Lord and get to give back to Him through song. Or maybe you're, you're thinking about all the lessons and stories that, that Pastor Ron has shared over the years. It could be a particular ministry that blessed you or your family or a ministry leader that reached out to you in, in a deep and important moment in your life. But this is a local church that God has established to meet the needs of the moment. I'm so thankful the Lord has given me a deep love for this church. It's actually kind of an awkward love for the church. And what I mean by that is, like I can't even figure out how to express it the right way. I've asked Pastor Ron for advice on this. I'm like, I think I'm saying it wrong, but on my social media, if you go on Instagram and, and look at my profile, it'll say, oh, I'm married to Shannon. I love her. I've got three kids. I love them. I'm, I'm a pastor at Cornerstone. And then real awkwardly, I don't know how to say it right. It says, if you're a member of Cornerstone, you are invited over my house for lunch and you can text me Bible questions, questions about the sermon at this number. But I'm being very obvious. This is for people at Cornerstone. And I know that the majority of the people that follow me on social media aren't at Cornerstone. And so I know I'm offending them. And one day they're going to sign up for lunch. I'm like, oh, do you go to Cornerstone? I don't recognize your name. And, and they'll say no. And I'll say, oh, sorry, all the supermarket shelves are empty. <laughs> Supply chain issues, you know. And now listen, I want to be kingdom-minded and love everyone. But I am called to love this church, right? And so I have to figure out how to not offend people. Now, be careful if you think like, oh, I'm going to go connect with Andy on Instagram. Be careful when you type in Andy Dean because you will likely find Bad Andy. I'm not saying that's me. There's another man out there with the name Andy Dean spelled exactly the same that's much more popular than I am because he's in a band called Bella Morte, Beautiful Death. He wrote a book the same year I wrote a book. I wrote a book called Learn to Study the Bible. He wrote a book called The Sticks, a werewolf horror story. And he's written four horror stories since then. He's a terrifying human being. And he's Andy Dean. Right? And I mean, Amazon linked our accounts where it said other books by Andy Dean, The Sticks. I'm like, no, that's not me. So be careful. If you try and find me on social media, you will find bad Andy. I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's great. I'm just hor I'm terrified of him. One day, one day we'll meet. Listen, every local church needs a plan to make disciples. 
And before we take communion, we're going to spend the rest of our time discussing our spiritual growth plan. This is how Cornerstone can help us grow. And it's, it's four components. The first is we want everyone here to know God through personal commitment and weekly worship. What else is there? We need to know God. We want to know who he is. Jesus, talking to his Father in heaven, said this in John 17. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. It starts now. It's not when we go to heaven, eternal life now begins. No, the moment somebody comes into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, eternity has begun. We are immortal, right? We, we will, our spirit will live on forever. And God will be with us during the difficult and the great times here on earth. And then, yes, things are going to get really good when we go to be with God in heaven. But we need to know God. And so there is going to be gospel invitations here where a clear gospel will be preached, where we have to count the cost and make a decision. Do we want to be in this relationship with God? You'll see that demonstrated with baptisms. I'm so thankful we do those during the worship service so we can all celebrate life change that's happening here at Cornerstone. And then in weekly worship, we're going to be stirred up. If we know God, we should be seeking him in the scriptures and in prayer throughout the week, but, but we need a boost and, and Sundays are great to get us stirred up to focus on the Lord again, to remind ourselves of his perspective. And I love how the author of Hebrews really challenges us here and says, don't give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another Right? We have to, uh, there's been some bad habits formed because of, of the pandemic for all of us in all different kind of categories of life. And it can be difficult to get back in that habit of, of meeting regularly at church. But notice why we come together to encourage one another. Right? The, the Sunday morning sermon is maybe at best a moment of conviction that we can choose to follow or not. And often, if we're honest, we can forget about it by that, by that evening, especially today. Right? And if you're asking if I'm a Rams fan or a Bengals fan, I'm a Hot Wings fan. So every Super Bowl is great for me. Um, but by the end of the day, we forget that me, me too. And so we need to be around others that can hold us accountable to this, to stir us up, to follow after God. I, I love how Pastor Jeff describes Sundays. If you see him on any Sunday and ask him how he's doing, he goes, I'm great. It's game day. Not just because it's Super Bowl Sunday. Every Sunday for Pastor Jeff Rosen is game day. He is excited. He told me a secret. He goes, Andy, I, it's the only day out of the week I don't set an alarm clock because I'm so excited to be at church. I just wake up ready to go. And he comes in. Now, I have to set five alarm clocks on Sunday morning, so I'm not sure what that says about me. But Pastor Jeff is excited and ready to go. You know, it's in weekly worship. When my family was making the decision that we were going to come here, we were plugged into another church, and our kids really enjoyed the children's ministry. So we mapped out a three- to four-month plan where we would, you know, go to this church this week and then the next church and then go to one service here, one service there. And over three months, we'd slowly kind of wean the kids off of the other church and, and get them plugged in here at Cornerstone. Well, week number one, we get in the car. Well, how was it, kids? They were in, they were in early childhood department and, and see kids. And they were so happy. Oh, it was amazing. Oh, they did this. There's this guy who did that. And they got so amped up. Finally, Gideon, who's, who's eight now, said, can we just make this our church? Can we just keep coming here instead? I was like, well, so much for my three to four month plan. The Lord just gave them an excitement from day one to be at Cornerstone. And I'm so grateful for our kids' ministries here. So we want everyone here to know God, but we want everyone here to grow with others. And that growth can happen in classes, 
in life groups and in discipleship groups that we recently launched, right? We're told in 1 Thessalonians that we should encourage one another and build each other up. And these are opportunities to practice to one another's and to build each other up. Growth really happens in groups even more than on a Sunday morning. And so we've got some great classes this year. We have some master classes on, on marriage and parenting. So after one class, you become a master in that category, which is pretty sweet. I mean, that's a good deal, right? I'll take that trade all day long. But we've also have some new classes coming on March 6th. We're starting a new weekly class called Explore the Bible. It's an adult Sunday school class that's going to be happening in the small church location during second service, during the service. And so we're asking people to come to the service before or stay for the service after. And we're going to study through the entire Bible over the course of 10 years. And you have to make that commitment. No. Um, but we're starting with 1 Thessalonians. So you might say, all right, I'm going to go for this book. This book's going to be six or seven weeks. I'm going to commit to study this book. There may be a particular book that you're confused by or is your favorite book. And you can join in and study deeper for that book. It's going to be taught by volunteers in the church with a gift of teaching. And we're excited to launch that on, on March 6th. It's on our website already. Our life groups are amazing because these are eight-week opportunities for you to kind of test the waters and, and meet some new people. And it's just long enough where you can build friendships that you can have outside of the life groups. And those eight-week life groups are starting up on, on February 20th. And there's all kinds of, of topics that we have. A few that I want to highlight, we've got divorce care, which is really good for coming alongside people going through a difficult time in divorce. We have grief share for those that are struggling with the loss of a loved one. We've got some topics that we just think are so important that we want to make available for people to go deeper in. There's one in Ephesians called Race and the Gospel that we did last year that got really good feedback. Oh, more people need to kind of wrestle with this. And it was a good class. There's, there's ones in Philippians and, and different topics. There's 30 life groups that are open. We have over 70 life groups, but some of them are full, but 30 of them are open to receive new people. And life groups are a good chance to make friends. And then there's discipleship groups, which are terrifying. No, but it's quite a commitment. I know, a one-year commitment. Who does this guy think he is asking me to make a one-year commitment? It has been the greatest joy of my ministry to be a part of discipleship groups in these one-year commitments over the last five years with five different groups of guys, of, you know, three to five people reading the same things, memorizing the same scripture together. It's been a huge blessing. That's where the most growth can happen. And now it's intimidating. There were, well, the leader of our discipleship group, he texted our group a few weeks ago and said, hey, before we meet together on Tuesday morning, everyone be thinking about on a scale of one to 10, where are you at in how much you hunger and thirst after righteousness? I'm like, oh, that is, oh my goodness. Is, what do I say? And so we got there and everyone looked at me. I'm like, I'm going last, right? I'm going, I want to see what, every, what number everyone else gives because if I shoot too high, they're going to say that prideful pastor. Too low, they're going to say, how's he even a pastor? So I, my theory was I was going to go 0.25 higher than the highest score. I don't, I, it was all mathematical, wasn't true at all. But listen, it, I mean, that kind of accountability, those deep questions, they, they cause us to wrestle with the scriptures and seek after change. We've got about 25 discipleship groups that are active right now, and those can launch all throughout the year, and it's all on the website. So we want people to grow with others because you are not alone at Cornerstone, and growth happens in groups. And we want everyone to use their gifts. This is a gifted body of Christ. And we wanna use those gifts while serving regularly and by giving faithfully. 
I like how Pastor Ron Baum last week was talking about the 30th anniversary and in our giving moment, he said, do you think this church could have been here for, for 30 years without faithful giving? All that we saw happen, part of that is because God calls people to faithfully give to the church. But did you know that Pastor Ron Baum is, is so gifted, we're spoiled to have him here. He's so gifted as a leader that churches across the country invite him to come and talk with them and consult with them. And he guides them on leadership and church structure and, and how to implement new ideas. And we've got all that here on our, on our staff because he's here. Well, one of the things he brought back after meeting with all these churches, one trend he noticed was that across the country, churches are struggling to rebuild their volunteer teams after the pandemic. Right? They're just having a hard time doing that. And we've gotten a lot of volunteers back to, to restart many of our ministries. But this is what God says about it in Ephesians 2. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has crafted us and molded us to be different from each other so that we would do works that he's prepared. There are things that God wants to do at Cornerstone, in your family, in your neighborhood, that he's prepared that opportunity and inviting us into that. Their ministry will expand here at the church when people say, yes, I wanna join a team. So I talked about how much my son Gideon loved the Sea Kids ministry. Right now, we've got you know, kindergarten and first grade grouped together in one class, uh, second and third grade grouped together, and the classes are all grouped by twos. Well, those classes are getting real crowded now, and the healthiest thing for our kids is to split those grades and have kindergartners alone, first graders alone in their own class. And so as, as we get people to sign up and volunteer, ministry will actually expand to new classrooms and new opportunities for these kids to keep on learning. We want there to, to be buddies to come alongside our children that have special needs, to sit alongside them in the classrooms and make them feel comfortable so they can grow and, and learn here at the church. Our youth ministries are trying to implement like small group discussion time. Well, that requires a committed leader on Tuesday nights to be there per grade and gender to split everything up so that these students can really think about what sermon was just preached. And so all kinds of amazing opportunities are available. Now I get it, to serve in middle school, you gotta be a little crazy to serve in middle school, right? I mean, that's why I did it for five years because I'm a little nuts. I, when Shannon first visited New Jersey when we were dating and she was excited to meet the youth group, they were prepared with a hundred question quiz that they, they gave to her that basically said, the first question was, what are your intentions with our youth pastor? And they were standing there and she's like, oh my, and she flipped through it. There's a hundred questions here. They're like, yep. And you're disqualified if you don't complete them all, right? I mean, middle school students are, you know, that can be, we need people that are called to that ministry like I was for five years of my life and I, and I loved it. So, there's, there's really nothing better than using your gifts for the kingdom, than using your abilities to make an impact here at Cornerstone and in our communities. So we want everyone to, to experience that joy. And finally, we want everyone to help the hurting in neighborhoods and nations by spreading hope, right? The gospel hope needs to be spread in neighborhoods and nations. Jesus, before he ascended in Acts chapter one, verse eight, called us to do this when he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so God is calling us to be witnesses in the city that we live in, 
in the, in the county and state that we live in and across the entire earth. God's calling Cornerstone to have that mindset of, of local and international. And so we have opportunities in the neighborhoods. Right now we have five active community missions hubs. And these are the five towns that represent the largest demographic of, of people here gathered as the church. But we want to expand that to three additional towns over the next few years. And so you may be in a town, if you type in, you know, winchester.church or temecula.church, you'll see, oh, we don't have an active community missions program for you, so serve alongside Marietta. Well, we want to launch those new programs, providing ways for people to serve their communities. And the next one comes up on March 12th. And so we can sign up now. We're going to gather here at the church. You're going to get T-shirts that have your town name on it that you can wear. You're going to go out to different service projects where we're going to love on these towns around us. And then we're going to gather back together for lunch and share stories about what God did while we were out there serving. We're pretty committed to this idea. So we recently hired a new missions pastor to help lead these efforts. You can see uh, his picture and actually all the staff have updated photos on the websites. You can meet our team. But also in nations, the, we know the Lord wants to do this because the Lord already inspired the generosity for us to build four homes. There's going to be three built in Mexico and one in Costa Rica. And so now we're getting the teams together who want to go. So we have a trip in June and July, and it's on our website. You can sign up, make a deposit and say, I'm going to go and help build these homes, even though I have no idea what a hammer looks like, right? And it's going to work. And we get to go down there, not only change one family's life forever, but then we get to be around as a gospel witness to all those we interact with. We have partners in Kenya and India right now that we support that are changing lives for good. It's an amazing thing to be a part of. Here's why this is all so exciting. Because it's not the church building and it's not the church staff or, or the pastor. It's all of us equipped to serve the Lord for the moment that God has for us here. God has a desire to change this valley. He wants to change the city that you live in, the neighborhood that your home is on, your family and you. God wants to do that. God has a plan that he has clearly revealed in the scriptures. We are going to study it and follow it. And it won't always be comfortable, but we're committed to doing that. It will lead to friends and family getting saved and their lives being transformed and neighbors and strangers becoming friends and family. God's gonna get it done one way or another, and he invites us to participate. It'll be amazing to watch, but it'll be even better to join in and be a part of it and, and recognize, wait, God wants to use me, every single person in this room, God wants to use to transform this valley. Cornerstone is here to help you grow spiritually. And so I don't know what the next step is for you. I'm, I'm working on my next steps as I look at this pathway. Know God, grow with others. Help the hurting. I should know all three of them, right? Use your gifts. Thank you. What's the next step? I want to, I wanna, before we take communion, I want to share two verses that I've been thinking through a lot this week. They've been kind of hitting me in a, in a harder way as I've been preparing to take over this new position. Here are the two verses. The verse is Acts 20, verse 28, where Paul, talking to the leaders in Ephesus, said, Keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock of which God, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I'm very aware that as lead pastor, to be faithful, the first thing I need to do is keep watch over myself. 
I need to read the scriptures every day. And as I look at a truth in the Bible and I see that my life is out of step with that truth, I need to self-correct and say, Lord, bring me into alignment with your word. When my wife, who will see the best and worst of me, when she calls me out on something, when I'm not living up to the gospel, I need to yield myself and submit myself to that rebuke whether it's people that are in my discipleship group that say, Pastor Andy, have you thought about this in the Bible instead of what you're doing? Or whether it's the pastors and staff here or someone in this room, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, you have a word for Pastor Andy, I need to submit myself to the word of God and keep watch over myself. And I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be doing that. And if you'll allow me, the scriptures say that I can keep watch over you that's going to mean that sometimes as I study the scriptures, I will have to first preach to myself a difficult truth and then share something uncomfortable here. But I'll do that for this next reason. Hebrews 13, 17 says, have confidence in your leaders. And then this is the part I want to focus on. So I awkwardly blocked everything else out. Because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. I am very aware that while I have the privilege and, and the honor of being a pastor here at Cornerstone, that I will one day give an account to God for my faithfulness or lack thereof. God loves Cornerstone so much that we see in these scriptures that he bought you with his blood. He paid a great price for this local church. And I will not forget that great price paid for Cornerstone or that I will give an account to someone who says that you are his bride that you are precious to him. And I'm really excited to do that, even though that's humbling and terrifying. As we take communion, you wanna go ahead and grab your communion elements and open up the bread. As we take communion, we remember Jesus. We remember that he purchased cornerstone with his blood. Each person here has been bought, paid a price for. And in 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul says this, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. If you'll open up the other side, carefully flip it over first. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take it together. Father in heaven, we, we remember your son, Jesus, today. He's the head of the church. He's the head of the body. We submit ourselves to him. You have shown your love for us in sending us your son to die on that cross in our place, Lord. We deserve the punishment for our sin, but you love us way too much to allow that to happen. And so we remember that we are forgiven because of Jesus. Help us to have a heart to seek after holiness. Lord, we know we're gonna fail. We know we're gonna stumble. And yet we know that your mercy endures. 
day after day, you will forgive us. And so we remember the greatness and the love of your son, Jesus, today. And we won't forget that our forgiveness came at quite a cost. And so Lord, help us to continue to follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week, we're gonna start a new study in the Gospel of John. It's called Come and See, and I'm excited to work through this gospel together with you this year. After every service, including today, we're gonna have a prayer team available because I know that like you, I, I come in with burdens and difficulties and hardships throughout the week. And so every week we wanna make ourselves available to pray for you. So today, if you need prayer, please come forward now so that we can pray for you. I'm here for you. It's my honor to be here for you. I'll, I'll say it until you finally believe me, but you are all invited over our house to have lunch with my family. You can sign up by going to our bio or clicking on the, the Good Andy's uh, social media profile. And, and you schedule a time anytime in the next three months and you'll meet some other people from Cornerstone and, and get to know your family. Um, for me to be able to lead and have the privilege of leading, I need to know who you are. And so that can't happen as much for me being up here and you being there. But when you're sitting next to us at our house, there's a greater opportunity for that. So my cell phone number is now also listed on the website in the bio. That is for you, not your weird friends, but for you guys. If you have a question about a sermon that I taught and you say, what did he mean by that? Or I forgot that verse. Or you want to tell me a prayer request or anything like that, you can text me or, or give me a call. And I'm glad to get to know who you are. So God bless you. Have a great week. Come forward if you need prayer.